What's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in once again to the Unofficial Therapy Podcast. Happy to have you here with me today. Um, I have some exciting news, and then we'll go into the regular podcast as usual. Um, so you guys know I have a creative group, Solstice, and we've made you know our web series last year. We made the Girls Don't Fart music video, which some of you have seen, some of you have not seen. Um, but we two days ago had the opportunity to go into the studio with R&B star, you know, love music making artist Tank, which is awesome. Um, I know Tank, we've, we've been friends since I moved here. And we tried to get a song made last year, and then he got busy, you know, being a celebrity, <laughs> living his own life. And then we kind of just tabled the idea for like six months to almost a year. And uh, he came to my last comedy show last week, and all the people in my group were around. And I just said, hey, man, what's up with the song? And we just we just kind of went with it. And <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you, it's a super surreal experience. I'd never been in a studio before, so I'd never recorded. I didn't know how to use the headset. Um, I know the room threw me off. It was just, um, it was a lot. I will admit now that I am not a rapper, um, not a good one anyway. So I don't have pride necessarily in like my verse. It is just good enough to be on beat. A couple punchlines in there. This is really a comedy song. We're not, you know, trying to go to the charts or whatever with it. Um, but Tank did the hook, and he put his whole foot in it, man. Like he dropped dimes on the hook. So I'm actually gonna let you guys hear the hook before we find out how we're going to use this song. It may end up on some comedy album we do. It may end up on our website. I don't know how we're going to use it yet, but you, because your listeners, get to hear this first. So hopefully you enjoy this. I was so proud of being a part of this. I, you guys can't see my face. I am cheesing from ear to ear as it's playing because that's how I felt being in the room. Like, yo, this dude is out here singing on our song. Just no name group of guys just trying to make you know content for the world or whatever. And um, we were in the studio until like midnight. We got in there like probably around 8. We were just there all day um, trying to get all the little ad-libs and get the tempo and all that stuff right. Um, it was just a really awesome experience. I don't know if he's going to work with us again because he's so much further ahead of us in the music game than we are that it's really, really beneath his talents to be messing with us. I'm not going to lie to you. He really shouldn't have been in that room. Uh, he should have walked out as soon as I dropped my verse. Like, man, you know what you're doing. <laughs> he should have just walked out. But he stayed, which is cool because, um, you know, we got to do this. And even if this is... As good as it gets. Let's say we never make another song together. We never get a chance to, you know, repeat this. This is amazing. I can tell people 10, 20 years from now, move to L.A., chasing a dream, whatever. Who knows how that's going to go? I assume it's going to go well. That's why I'm here. But let's say I'm a 50-year-old dude and y'all don't know who I am outside of the podcast. I can always say I made a song with Tank and 
I have it. We own it. I can play it. And you can do what you want with that. That's more than most. Uh, there are a lot of musicians out here who haven't even had that kind of situation pop for them. So super happy about it. Um, hope you guys enjoyed a little preview. Once we figure out what we're going to do with it, we may try to shoot a video, but that may be difficult. But I don't want you guys to hear that little part so you can, I don't know, get ready for when it finally drops or whatever. <sighs> Very heavy. <laughs> but the podcast today is not about our dumb song or about how Fire Tank is on that hook. Uh, I don't know what's in, entitled this, but this is something that I see in my own life, and I'm sure some of you see it in yours as well. When you're thinking about something a lot, or if you're going through a certain trial, and you're wrestling with how to like get through it, trying to figure out where you are, are you on the right path, et cetera, et cetera. And then you meet someone who's going through an identical situation to you. And they don't know you're going through your situation. They may just randomly confide in you. Like, hey, what's going on? Man, you know, I'm just trying to figure things out. And they'll start talking. And you realize as they're talking and you're giving them feedback, you're actually self-medicating because you're giving yourself feedback too. The same advice you would give them. I don't know if I'm in the right relationship. Well, let's take a, let's take stock of it. Like, what do you like about it? What do you don't like about it? What do you see the future? And then you realize, wait a minute, these are the same questions I had about my relationship. And you can kind of do that situation. And sometimes just hearing someone talk about their thing out loud, even if you don't have that like epiphany kind of moment, they may come at it from a different perspective than you even thought of. And so they're medicating you by talking about their own problems. So not you self-medicating, it's them giving you the cure by just talking about their own situation where they may go through their own troubleshooting like, I tried this, it didn't work, I tried this, it didn't work, so now I'm here. And you just being, I guess, a fly on the wall is getting some free therapy almost. And it happens a lot, right? You start wondering, man, am I, is my diet on point? And then you go to work and someone's like, yeah, man, you know, I just... I've been eating real dirty lately. I think I'm going to clean it up. And you're like, dude, what do you, do you live with me? Like, are you in my head? How do you know all this stuff? And when I don't have it with people at work and stuff, I see it on TV and movies or like on podcasts where they'll approach a topic that maybe is like a far cry from what they normally do. And then all of a sudden it's like the podcast or the movie or TV show, whatever is made for you. You feel like just speaking to you directly. And... As a result, you connect to it more, obviously, but maybe you feel like it's okay to to like get it out. For me, for me, and I know a lot of guys. Um, you know, when you're going through stuff, you tend to not tell people, right? You just want to bury it, do the the man thing, and just kind of like I'll figure it out. Don't I got it? And you know. That may work to some degree most of the time, but there are times where you do need to enlist other people. This is where you got homies. Yo, man, like I'm going through some stuff. Talk to your boys about it. And then if it's extreme enough, you get professional help. Right? But I think it's a, it's a thing where when you hear someone talk about their issues on a more global scale than your situation, then you kind of realize it's okay to put it out there and talk about it and, you know, see see what gets fed back to you. You can't get help, really, if you don't put yourself out, aside from the therapy of someone else talking to you, right? So um, this happens 
often, at least once or twice a month, where, you know, I'm going through this whole situation. I'm in L.A. We all know it. And there's a constant thing of where should you be? And I've mentioned this on previous podcasts. And it's about the self-talk, about you doing fine. Don't let people, don't let circumstances, don't let these arbitrary benchmarks derail you, right? You have these conversations with yourself. And then so you get past that point. But then it's even different subcategories of that. So say you moved out here to do music, right? I'm not a musician. Despite that hot song y'all just listened to. <laughs> but if you're a musician, you may have just believed this is my voice and music. And you've been going down that path for a certain period of time. And then all of a sudden, you may just look up and just think, "Am I? is this even the type of music I want to make? Despite the fact that you've been doing it, you've been pushing along, you've been kind of doing it that way. All of a sudden, you think, well, do I want to do more deeper music? Or do I want to be more accepted worldwide? And now you're dealing with an issue you didn't think about. Your first issue was, should I be more famous? Right? That's what most people in my city are consumed with. Should I be more famous or more rich? Because one, the city is super expensive. And two, most people out here are in the industry. I think it's like 80% of people in LA have some ties to some Hollywood thing. And so people are looking for the break, that big break, so they can you know, bust through whatever their proverbial glass ceiling is and then get recognized and then get money and then be visible and then live happily ever after. That's, that's kind of how the game goes. So that's the usually the biggest concern. Am I on the right path? You know, should I be more famous? I've done twenty auditions. I've only got one callback. You do that whole thing, but the idea of the movies that I may be auditioning for, the roles I'm going out for, are those even the right roles? Whether or not I get the role or not is secondary. Maybe I'm pigeonholing myself to do this when really I'm better at this, and then you start really almost unpacking all of what you are. And then repacking it, right? It's like what Descartes did when he said, you know, I think, therefore I am. And then he had to unpack everything he thought he knew about everything and then repack to live his life going forward. It's kind of like that situation where I'm a comedian, right? And so I've had moments where I said, you know, I should be maybe a more popular comedian because I think my material's good. But then you start thinking, could I be doing more mainstream comedy. Should I get into politics and religion, which I don't talk about now? Um, should I go exclusively clean? Because there's a market there. Should I go real dirty? There's a market there. Should I only try to holler at black audiences? Because we you know, we got Crenshaw and Inglewood and all that out here. So could I, should I do that? And that's an even different question that should I be famous? And so whatever your respective career is, you know, there's these dual questions you're kind of like wrestling with. And the real truth is that no one knows the answer, right? So once you know that, then it's, it's easier to kind of like, you can take someone's advice and do all that stuff, but no one really knows what's going on. Like essentially, we're all just trying to figure it out. And we learn and grow by talking to each other and by experiencing things. So it is, I think it's something to recognize when you see it. I don't think it's, I don't know what it is. It could be universe, it could be God, it could be fate. But I think when you see a theme occur in your life a, a few different times, and it's like, okay, there's something here. Or you you just have some kind of self-revelation. 
It's like, okay, there's something here. It's some, it's important, I think, to take stock of what that is for whatever it's worth. It may lead you down a path that's real scary to go down because you are reflecting on stuff that maybe you've been trying to avoid, maybe things you've been wrestling with for a long time, and it still kind of pops up. And it may take you down a really awesome path. Like I have a client now who is in her 40s and is like a recent divorcee, which is a really tough place to be because she's in her 40s and she has kids. So it's a rough one, let me tell you. But she does have like money, so she's not like looking to like strike it rich with somebody. So that's going for her. But the fact that no matter what situation she goes in, she walks in with, I'm 40 and I got kids. And that is a lot of weight to bring into a situation. But even more than that, that's just the dating side of it. Like, hey, I'm single. I want to be booed up again. The other side of it is she was married for like 20 years. And so on some level, her development is of a 20-year-old single person because that's the last time she was single. Every other interaction was, I've been married. So for two decades, it's been that routine. It's been dealing with this person, their quirks, their you know, nuances and their issues. And now, and not dating during this time. 20 years ago, what was this, 2000 and, what was this, 2000, oh, 1999, right? The internet had kind of just came out. New internet, no iPhones, um, no Facebook, no Instagram. I think people were still on uh, MySpace. But so just in the last 20 years, the amount of things that have changed in the world is, is really kind of astounding when you kind of take a step back and think about it. But if your last dating was in the 90s, still under, was it the Clinton administration or was it Bush already? But that's, that's a last three presidents. That's a long time ago. And now you're just like plopped into this new world where there's online dating. And now you get to swipe left and right for somebody. When in 99, you had to like, I'll meet you at Starbucks and then hope they're not a serial killer, you know? So she's in that new phase of her life. And she is terrified because she doesn't know what it is. Her life has been routine for 20 years. She doesn't know what it's like to kiss another dude because she hasn't in 20 years. So she doesn't even know she's a good kisser. (laughs) <laughs> because, I mean, once you marry somebody, if you're a bad kisser, I think they just kind of roll with it. I don't think you can tell somebody 10 years into marriage, hey, man, like, let's tighten up with the kiss in the Lord. You're not, you're not too good at this. And don't get me started on sex because it's so individualistic and so, you know, we all have our hangups and things that get us off. So don't even get me started on, well, my husband used to like this. And it's like, yeah, um, your husband's weird. I need you to grab that whip. And do some things with it, <laughs> um, and I'm in flirting, right? I'm I'm a flirt by nature, uh, but I'm not a twenty year relationship guy. I'm sure at some point in your relationship, you the flirting just kind of goes away. You try to keep it up. You say, "Hey, babe, you look nice today," and you, "Ooh, hubba hubba, you look hot." You do those little things that kind of keep the peace, but it's not flirting actively. You don't meet new strangers and then flirt. You don't even know how. And so she's realizing that she's never really had a flirt in her life. She met this dude at 17. He thought she was cute. 
he thought he was cute. They dated for a few years and got married, and he courted her the whole time. She never had to flirt. But at 40, you can't just sit there and be like, I'm getting me, because you're not as desirable as you were at 20. This is not like me being uh, ageist. This is just biology. And so she is trying to discover who she is, which is scary at 40. I'm trying to figure out who she is because she's identified herself as a wife and a mom for a long time. And now she's a woman again. And that is, I'm proud of her for the journey. Um, but because she's so used to routine, she wants to get to a routine immediately. It's like, when can it just not be weird anymore? When can I just have a guy and just settle? And it's like, hey, who knows? It could be a long time. I don't know what dating at 40 is like. I'm not that old. Um, nor do I have the tremendous amount of baggage you have. No idea. You can talk to other 40-year-old women, but even they have weird perspectives. Some of them may just want sex because a lot of older women like younger dudes because old dudes don't like having sex like that. So that 40-year-old woman who just wants to get turned out can't help you find a relationship because she's not looking for it. And where she only has one kid, way less baggage, different package you bring to the table. You know, this is an exclusive situation for you. And just in her last like month of her journey, we'll have conversations where she's like, you know, I realize I actually really enjoy just going out and dancing. And I never did that when I was married. I never got the chance to like have that kind of freedom. Or I realized I really don't like being touched <laughs> because I feel like I'm, I still feel almost raw from the marriage. And it feels like a violation a little bit that someone touches me, even though because I'm not officially divorced yet, but I'm just not with my husband. So it still feels like, don't do that. And I like this kind of music and... Apparently, young people have dumb conversations, and I don't like that. I want someone who's probably older than me, who's been through a lot, and maybe someone who has their own kids so they can they know how to deal with mine. And it's it's awesome to see her go through this. And it's also sad when she's like, I try to kiss, and I'm not good at it. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> no, most, most people aren't when they don't really do it like they, they used to, right? So that's the scary part of opening yourself up to a new horizons like that's i guess the good and bad of it because a really cool thing is that when some new guy texts her she gets that kind of giddy kid thing going which is cool and actually beautiful to see in a 40 year old but then she'll ask a question like is is panera a good date location which seems like a question for like a 20 year old it doesn't make any sense it's like wait a minute you're 40 years old and so that's the good and bad of it. And at some point, she'll probably experience heartbreak at 40, which, you know, is a different conversation. It's like it's at 20, you feel like it's in, in the world because you don't have any context for dating. It's like, oh, no, I loved her. I loved him. And they left and you're just crushed. And then like a week or two later, you realize, wait, I'm 20. I'm fine. I'll meet other people. Um, the older you get, your pool just gets smaller. It's just the way it is. And... So heartbreak, I think, lasts probably longer. And so I'm looking forward to when that's going to happen and watching how she bounces back and seeing how she picks up the pieces and kind of moves forward from that. But that's her experience. Um, and I'm sure you guys have your own of opening Pandora's box of who you are, what you are, and what you want. And you don't know what's in there. But you know it's different than what you currently have going, 
and you know there's a possibility that it can be better than what you have going. That would be my recommendation to open the box. Is that if it's a bad thing, it's a bad thing you learn from going deeper into your own person, which I think is still a positive thing. You know more about yourself. It may be that you don't like these new parts of yourself, but at least you know they exist now. Before, they were just there and you didn't know about them. And I don't see a scenario where a lack of knowledge of yourself is advisable or a good or good or cool thing. I think it's better to know yourself and then you can make adjustments. Okay, I realized that my self-esteem is not as good as I want it to be. I had this revelation myself recently and it kind of it kind of took me aback because I've prided myself for at least a decade now on being really sure of myself and being really good to myself on the self-esteem side of the game. And I'm using self-esteem in this sense to mean I always value myself and my time and my my person. Like I'm not going to sacrifice who I am to, you know, get a job or whatever. Like I'm not going to sell my soul. You know, people talk about that all the time. Don't sell your soul, man. Respect yourself, man. Like I never sold my soul for anything as far as I know. Like I don't have anything. So that is like, I guess the extreme version of self love and respect or whatever. But a shorter version is I've found myself in various points in my life giving attention to women who couldn't give back the same amount. But because I knew I was good for them, I stayed in. Which is kind of, when I say it out loud, it's like, that's dumb. (laughs) But in the moment, it didn't feel dumb. It was almost like, I don't want to lose the part of them I do have for the part of them that I can't have. Right, like it's the, that's kind of what the rationalization of it is, and then at a certain point, we all hit a breaking point where it's like, listen, I need more from you, and a person's like, I can't give you more, or there's someone else, and he's like, well, there's someone else, you can't have me, and then you kind of come to that, you know, inevitable conclusion of we can't really coexist or whatever, and you kind of be out. That's how my life has gone, and I've gotten much better over the years. There was a time where I. I think I mentioned this in previous podcast. I waited for this girl to reciprocate her affections for two years. Now I was like 17. So I was, I was young. I was, I was a young pup. Little, little, little young fella out there. And I just, I thought, you know what? We're, we're cordial. She's cute. She says she likes me, but she can't be with me. But if I just hang in there, you know, one day. And I did never came. Then I got to college and I had a situation not even nearly as long, maybe maybe six months. It may not even been that long. And um then that happened. Then so and it so it's recurred in my life a couple different times. And it wasn't until recently I had to take a step back and say, wait a minute, we're back here again. So you you didn't repeat it in terms of the duration. But some of the elements are still there where when you get connected to somebody and they pull back, instead of you pulling back as well, you pull forward as they pull back. And what happens is you overextend yourself on the love side of the game, on the affection side. And then they, I mean, they're power dynamics in relationships, so they have all the power. But now they kind of, they don't use it properly. I don't believe in 50-50 of anything. I think that's just something 
TV and movies talk about. But there, I do believe in reciprocity. I do believe if someone is important to you. And like, for instance, like I'm busy. I'm a busy guy. I'm doing this podcast now. I go to work after this. Probably comedy afterwards. I'm moving around. Um, but if there's somebody who I want to spend time with, I'm not going to be able to do it all the time. There'll be times where I just, I just can't do it. Week is crazy. Sorry. We'll, we'll figure it out. But I'll make a concerted effort to figure it out. That's where I am. It's like, hey, I can't do it this week. Super crazy comedy shows. But my week next week is not as bad. Let's try to link up next week. How's your Thursday look? And we just try to do that way. And then until things really slow up and we can get back to a normal schedule, it may be intermittent. But I'll make sure I try to fill in the, the gaps. I don't want you to feel like I'm too busy to be in your life. I don't believe in that I'm too busy thing. Unless you're literally Kevin Hart or The Rock, and even those guys have time to do silly stuff and see friends and stuff, I don't believe in the I'm too busy for people thing. I've heard it my whole life. I've seen it. I want somebody in my life. I'm just too busy. Nope. Nope. Don't buy it. I think you're pri- you don't prioritize that person to the point that you decide to make time for them. Because that time when you just sat around and watched a marathon of movies or that time you took a midday nap or that time you just went to happy hour for four hours and then like there's time. Everyone has time. No one's too busy for anything that they really want to have in their life. And so that's my that's my energy. Um, I get busy and caught up sometimes just in my own head and doing stuff. But I know there are times I just don't connect to people. And then I have to like take a step back and say, wait a minute. Dang, I haven't talked to so-and-so in a little bit. All right, cool. Let me try to right the wrong. Hey, man. Sorry. I don't know. I've been off the grid a little bit. Let's 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 clean it up a little bit. How you been? How's family? How's your girl? Um, and and then just to let them know, I know I've been all over the place, but I still care about you. And then the closer the person is to you in terms of your relation to them, and also I guess proximity, then that is more frequent. And I found myself at various points in my life giving energy and brain power because I'm a overly analytical person. Brain power, energy, time to someone who couldn't give me all those elements back, but I knew respected what I was giving to them. Respected my love, respected my attention, respected all that stuff, but not respected enough to give it back fully. And then I'll get to a point where I feel like, all right, well, and I'll, and I'll have the self-talk, the good self-talk. Hey, man, you're too good to be letting her do that to you. I said this in college. I was going out with this girl. It was, this was, um, her name was Erica, but there's like a lot of Ericas in the world. So that's not going to help anybody. Um, and I was like, wait a minute, what are you doing, bro? Like, you're, you got stuff going. You're in shape. You got two jobs. You just got into grad school. Why are you chasing out there, this chick? And it was just like, well, she's pretty. And you do that whole internal good and bad thing. But then it's just ultimately, you are, you're too good. Be better to yourself. It might be cool to be with this girl. And maybe she would make a lot of dreams come true and yada, yada, yada. But before you can even really accept that from her, look at, look at yourself. Like if, you were, if someone saw you from the outside and you were explaining the predicament you're in, could you, could you stand on it? 
So you chase out this girl who claims she doesn't have time or energy, this, this, and that, but occasionally will just throw you a bone? Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much what's going on. You feel good about that? I mean, I would feel better. I, like when you really think about it, it's almost ridiculous to be in a situation. And then it's only upon like inspection and self introspection that I realized I got. I don't know how I got back here. It's been a minute since I've been here. It's been years. And I was like, how am I back in this place? And it was. Then I had to start thinking even deeper. I was like, it's. Is it some childhood thing, which is where most things are derived from? Is this a love deficit from being a kid? Because my mom is more or less aloof. My dad's a truck driver. So even if he wants to be present, his job requires him literally to not be here. So your parents are, you know, aloof and not as present, but you know they love you. So is that just kind of how you process love? That it's like, it doesn't matter if you can give me more of you. I can sift through that and kind of find the highlight points and then move forward. Is that how your brain works? And I don't, I don't know. I hadn't really thought of it until like, you know, a couple of days ago. Where is that just seeping in? Where I'm trying to fill the gaps, the voids of where their constant and present, I guess, love and attention wasn't. And I fill those with studying and school and comedy over the years. I have a lot of void fillers that aren't vices. I guess, you know, comedy and working out and that kind of stuff, those are as healthy, I think, as you can be in that void filling phase. And so that's what I've done my whole life. But when another person's involved, then yeah, the the tension is different. It feels good to love, feels good to like and be liked back. I don't think there's a better feeling, really, than, hey, I like you. Oh, my God, I like you, too. It's like, what? Cool. Can we expand on this? Sure. <gasps> Word. <laughs> and you just got to keep going. I think it's one of the most awesome things in the world. Conversely, I think unrequited affection is the worst thing in, a, in the world. I actually wrote a poem about it in high school when I was in my first situation of this uh, genre, I guess. And it really what was the point of it it's like you know there's famine there's war there's atrocities and all those things but most of those aside from death you can rebuild you can you know kind of work through i think just the emotional damage of putting yourself out there for somebody and them just not responding to it the way you wanted them to is if you're not you know strong in yourself and your convictions i think it's brutal I think it's really hard to come back from, and it could last, it can have some permanence to it, where it's like, you didn't want me because I'm not enough, and then that carries over into every other aspect of your life, and it can be really bad at a certain point. But I had to have this conversation with myself of, dude, take care of your star flare, look in the mirror, what are you doing? You're fine. Get back, get back on your, get back on your square. You got, knocked, you got knocked off your square a little bit. Get back on your square. Double down on what you've been doing. Focus on what you got going on. Focus on yourself. Get your head right. And then move forward. And as you do that, then new opportunities will, have, will open up, I guess. Um, you'll be more prosperous in the things you're doing because you're not being sidetracked by the, this emotional peril. And... 
ultimately, it's going to be for your benefit. It doesn't help you to be in this situation. This is all me to me saying this stuff. And then when it was all said and done, I was like, cool. I've, I've, I've found my resolve. I found, I found myself again. And I didn't know I had even lost it. But sometimes it happens. You get caught up. You get lost. And then you look in the mirror. You're like, who is who, that? So I'm hoping that this finds somebody who's in a moment. Maybe not the like relational part, but I think the first part for sure about you know finding yourself in other people's situations and then kind of working through it and not being afraid to go to those depths and see what's behind it. It could be something super amazing or it could be something not as cool, but at the very least, it doesn't hurt you to know you. And the better we know ourselves, the better we will be to ourselves and the better we'll be in relationships and probably at work and going forward. And I think we'll all be better people for it. As always, guys, thank you for tuning in. I really appreciate all the feedback. Let me know how you guys feel about that hook because I know it was fire. And uh, I'll see you guys next time. Deuces.